the reason why I'm fascinated by converse, conversational AI is that I think it's a really in, almost an imperative tool to really understand better the user and with that understanding to actually be able to delineate new journeys that are much more true to what the consumer will need and really you know mirror what you actually should build into a car experiential ecosystem so that that's really where i find that fascinating and when where i think it will be really interesting is when we start talking about you know driverless cars um yeah that's a yeah, definitely where cracked it wide open yeah will change completely because then you need to be entertained by uh <clears throat> you know the vehicle and the experience you have in in the vehicle yeah yeah i almost <clears throat> like so, think of it as like know, trying to feed somebody when their mouth is full you know <laughs> they're driving mm-hmm. like, you have to wait for them to like be between bites or something before you know they can add any other feature otherwise they're eating like you can't can't get the pork in there. <laughs> so we have the car makers, we have the technology in terms of behavioral and sensorial technology. The role that AI will play in how the sensorial behavior and the experience inside those driverless cars will be really amazing. Because in the end of it, without AI, nothing of that will be absolutely possible. There's no way you could create the best sensorial technology but without the AI interpretation, you will not be able to control the car as much as you wanted to. From a safety perspective, right. neither you will able to give the driver the right experience because everything will be customized in the fact that instead of purely driving go from point A to point B, I'm actually in this cocoon either by myself with somebody else while AI is helping me to drive in, you know, helping the vehicle get it to the destination and at the same time most likely give me generative content that keep keep coming as I really, you know, go to, to, to inside this journey. Welcome back to Invisible Machines. Super excited to be bringing you another great guest episode this week. Rob and I are going to chat with Guido Barada, a good friend of the show. Guido uh, has been working at design for more than 20 years. He's done digital information systems for Lanza, Philips, and Samsung. He has done product development for Harman, iRobot, and Segway. Guido is currently the chief design officer at Icon Incar, working with brands like Volkswagen, BMW, and Ford on automotive experiences, the increasingly digital experience of being inside of a car. Uh, that's that's what we're going to talk about today. But it's kind of a long and expansive conversation, really, because we, we start talking about some of the current kind of experience design things that we think about inside a car, and then how AI is starting to turn all that on its head a bit. Uh, we even kind of get into broader notions of transportation systems and what a car really is. Seems possible that in the near future, a car might just be one of many robots that you interact with throughout the day. Uh, so Guido Guido was actually the first chief design officer at Fjord Accenture. He has done a lot of outreach work through the Humankind Institute that he founded. He is also the founder of Designers United for Ukraine. That is actually how I met Guido in the early days of the horrible war in Ukraine. He was doing what he could to help designers there connect with uh, with regular design work and then also help designers 
who felt like they needed to leave the country, get out. So really excited to bring you this conversation with Guido Barada. I think you're really going to like it, and we're going to get to it right now. All right. Well, hello. Hello, Rob. Hello, Guido. It's great yeah, to see both you. of you. Um, we So Guido and I were just kind of talking about uh, kind of experiential design and automotive um, and some of the some of the challenges therein and how how conversational AI and ecosystems for hyper automation might kind of fit into all that. Um, I don't know, maybe an easier place to start. And I had asked Guido this earlier too, is uh, what, what's like a typical day for you? Like maybe even like a Friday. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, Friday are usually uh, a bit calm uh, than, than the other frenetic day. Uh, for some reason I made little stats recently and uh, Wednesday and Thursday are the craziest of the days. Um, but usually Friday is the day where people collect all the data, all the info about the client programs, how everything is going, uh, planning for the next week. And there is also the tendency to look at, um, you know, how specific programs are going um, in a certain direction or the other. Um, so it's a day of, uh, I would say, of analysis and self-analysis and, and validation, which is really interesting because in the end of it, um, we all need that moment of stepping back and look at the week and see how crazy it went and who drive crazy the most and where, <laughs> where we're going to be the, 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 the coming week. That, that's really, yeah. So that's, that's mostly where, where happened on Friday. Yeah, self-analysis. That's a good point. Uh, it's yeah. important to take time for. Yeah, and, absolutely. And podcasting. Friday's a good day yeah. for podcasting. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Friday is the best day for podcasting. <laughs> and I'm glad you yeah. Catch. were able to, to raise up early for for me to be here. So I'm great, really grateful to, to be here with you guys. So yeah. happy to have you. <clears throat> uh, you know, you were just describing to me, um, you know, some of the work that you do with automotive clients um, tends to be focused on features, individual features within the driving experience, uh, which I think probably adds complexity and difficulty when you're trying to somehow unify those features. And I mean, in an automotive setting, I would assume that each of those features might be attached to its own very complex, isolated uh, set of complicated machinations or whatever. So uh how, how do you tackle when you when you're thinking about designing an experience in a car what's your first step like where do you start thinking about that that's a very good question so the the i think the problem generally for oems and and uh, car makers is the fact that they assume that adding new feature or or, or adding just feature numerically it's already going to go to attract, you know, the eye of the consumer. Um, they do think about the overall ecosystem of the car, but mm, sometimes they just lost the, the initial proposition of why the car was made for and who it was made for. And this has the tendency to provoke a generation of a very large number of features that in many cases, and this will be surprising for, for the general consumer, have uses cases that don't exist. 
Um, and you will be very surprised to realize that you think that behind the cars, there's a lot of research and a lot of, you know, validation. While in many cases, um, the research is uh, fairly, you know, uh, diminutive. And there's the tendency to listen to the tech provider. And the tech provider, of course, tend to, you know, trying to uh, put as many features as possible into the grinder. Um, and that become a problem because instead of looking and developing the ecosystem as a whole, which in our cases many times involve a design system, right? Um, in the end up to create um, some kind of monster. <laughs> I recently had a, like a CEO that basically, yeah, Frankenstein, like a, a kind of a, like a, a morphal figure made of all kinds of different parts and pieces that didn't really make much sense. I had one CEO recently from a car maker in India that told me like, please do anything you like, but don't do what we did with our last car. And I said, okay, <laughs> what was the problem? And he said, well, the issue is that everything, everybody wanted to put more and there are things driver will never look at, you know, the geeks, the tech geeks wanted to have that in the experience while the driver wanted the, the wanted to have that cocoon feeling, the, 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 the feeling is protected, this experience, you know, that environment is able to go from one place to the other, is able to, to travel, to discovery. So yeah, that's, that's a really interesting. Um, I think, um, the reason why I'm fascinated by converse, conversation AI is that I think it's a really in, almost an imperative tool to really understand better the user and with that understanding to actually be able to delineate new journeys that are much more true to what the consumer will need and really, you know, mirror what you actually should build into a car experiential ecosystem. So that that's really where I find that fascinating. And the second thing I really love is the notion of, um, you know, being able to create a very specific tailor-made experience inside the car, where the car is basically providing, you know, be the, the, the digital twins or the individual that is actually driving it, yeah. which is also something I think that's, that's not only inevitable, but it's actually very fascinating. You know, from from my perspective. Yeah, it seems sort of dangerous almost to think about conversational AI in the context of technologists who want to get their features used. I'm just like imagining the car being, come on, you want to use it? No, just press it. Just try to come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> just one, just try it. Work for me, yeah. <laughs> it's not car. Yeah. <laughs> Stop asking me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, when, when you think of the fact that um, having different driving modes is now like perfectly, you know, uh, uh, within the experience, everybody needs an eco mode, everybody needs a sport mode. Yeah. If the car is a V, you need a ludicrous or some kind of boost mode. And then there is the notion like, oh, let's create another mode, what that will be. Well, let's call it relax mode. Right. 
And so then in the end of it, like, sure, I could create the relaxed mode, but, uh, you know, what, what exactly does it mean? I mean, right. it, it, would it make me more relaxed? Would it make me less angry? You know? Right. Uh, that's, or that's fall asleep really... at, the, at the stoplight. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to the extent, to your point, Rob, to the extent that at some point they're like, how if you sad, um, you know, put some little happy music or vice versa? I'm like, well, okay, but you know, there, there is, there is first of all, there is a certain set of technology that will involve face recognition, which is pretty simple. It's not nothing, nothing too big. But then I imagine me driving the car, already sat, and the car tried to make me, you know, <laughs> pee pee and like. Oh. How annoying like, is no, that? <laughs> I want to be sad. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I want to be sad. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But it does get funny when you start thinking that you got to, you, you, you know, take acting classes to operate your car. You're like, you want to listen to sad music? Make your face sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, that's definitely, that's definitely the case. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, you know, I, again, I think the space that AI is actually, uh, it will take in, in the creation of those experiences in the, in the future are fun, radically, you know, will will change the way we think about cars, yeah. you know, radically. So I'm really, really, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, your point. Definitely. Well, that's yeah, interesting. Oh, I was just going to say, it's interesting that uh, a car, too, is, is kind of an ideal setting for conversational AI mm -hmm. and that a conversational interface is, is really helpful while you're trying to drive. But it's also like a very intimate kind of captive e ecosystem. Yeah. When you're in the car, you're in there until you yeah. get where you're going. And so yeah. that kind of has to be maybe accounted for as well. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like, like that it, it, your hands are busy, so conversation makes sense. But you should be focused on driving. So, you know, anything else that you're doing <laughs> is a distraction from what you're trying to do and create stress. You know, um, driving is hard. Driving is complicated for a human. Like, it's, you know, it, 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 most people don't want to be distracted when they're driving. Even, you know, even aside from the all safety issues. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Guido's much... describing this buffet of features. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and I mean, it is distracting. That's just there is just no way. You know, what I mean, it's like if I if I have two backtons in my steering wheel for which I could dose the range of my energy recuperation. I mean, uh, you know, how distracted I could be yeah. to say, well, now I want to make a little less and I want to generate more energy. I mean, we're not there yet where we think that turning the wheel will actually charge our battery. I mean, it right. does to a certain extent, but the percentage of that charge is still very little. Uh, so in the end of it, yeah, that that's one more distraction. Uh, yeah. So when where i think it will be really interesting is when we start talking about you know driverless cars um yeah that's a yeah, definitely where cracked it wide open yeah will change completely because then you need to be entertained by uh <clears throat> you know the vehicle and the experience you have in in the vehicle yeah yeah i almost <clears> like so, think of it as like know, trying to feed somebody when their mouth is full you know <laughs> 
they're driving. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to wait for them to like be between bites or something before you know they can add any other feature. Otherwise, they're eating. Like you can't can't get the pork in there. <laughs> you- <laughs> I love I love the metaphor of the fork and the food. It's like I'm eating. Leave me alone. Yeah. Yeah. There is this very uh, very known Italian uh, you know character from the book of Camilleri, which is uh, probably one of the few hardware winning writer um, uh, Sicilian uh, uh, made. And the main character of his book is a detective called Montalbano. And he always excuses himself when he goes and eats on the table because he said, I'm sorry, when I eat, I don't talk. So don't get offended, but I need to focus on the Ah. dish and what I'm eating. Otherwise, I don't taste the pleasure of the flavor of the food. So it's really interesting. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a really fascinating too. Yeah. 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 So that makes sense. And, <clears throat> and I definitely what resonates with me is this idea that you have this ecosystem of people and their agendas trying to drive features into a product and wanting that, you know, to be the, the center stage. I have a similar experience uh, way back when in the days when I was doing post production for feature film. Um, we would do like special effects and sound effects and, you know, somebody mm-hmm. would do like the sound of, you know, whatever the, the horse whinnying in the background, you know, and, and they like picked, they spent so much time, like, like which not too loud, what kind of, it's a racehorse that so we want it to be just perfect. And, <laughs> and then it gets to the sound stage, right? And, and they expect like it to play louder than the actor's voices, you know, because they're so proud of this. <laughs> what they did right they the whole audience that they came to yeah. the movie to hear the horse whinny not the actors talking you know and they're so disappointed when that mixer turns it way <laughs> yeah, down on them <laughs> but, yeah yeah they're like please turn, turn it down yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> why well, i can barely hear it turn it up everybody wants to hear this and they think it's the same idea like you spent so much time on this feature you want you think the whole world just you know wants to wants to come yeah. come and experience that feature but at the end of the day you, just, you need that extra layer that steps back and looks at it through the user's eyes and says you know unfortunately they didn't come to to listen to your sound effect and uh yeah and, yeah. and the hor- yeah no sorry go ahead Oh, me! I was just going to say the horse's whinny is is not an emotional anchor, so we're going to yeah, yeah, it's not the focus, right? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be, but no, I'm, be. I'm joking. Yeah, no, no, I mean, just, it could. Like, what if it was Black Moody? You know, I love. Yeah, I love did you work horses, on hot? You know, like yeah, exactly. It hooked up. I think uh, uh, in you know, I mean, of course, in the last decade, the importance of sound experience as a race, you know, uh, really as a really skyrocketed. But I think what, what the missing point really is to instead of having just a, a, a something that reference you for any kind of demand that you want, it's really, you know, getting into the space where it's like, okay, I want to, you know, I have a specific things I wanted to investigate about or know about or 
research or discuss, but there is no one in the car with me. Could I entertain, you know, a system and a system could actually mirror, um, you know, my own thoughts and, you know, kind of converse to that. That's something that I think OEMs and car making are starting to investigate because they realize that, yeah, we have Alexa and yes, we have all voice command in the car. Um, there is always the, the, the battle between the system that's made by the car, the system that's made by, you know, in this case, Android and, and so on, um, or Siri per se. But in the end of it, there is the notion that, you know, those systems are getting almost obsolete because yeah. all they do is they, you know, they receive a command and they act on your command. So that's, that's really, that's where I think there will be a really huge revolution from a, from an AI perspective there as well. And there is one more point, which is very troubling for the car maker, which is Apple is you know, try to convince them to use, um, you know, the iOS uh, for the car system overall. Uh, Android is actually working directly with car makers for, for a while now. And the question mark is how much the experience will come from the car brand and how much the experience will come from, you know, those players. That's a really big question for car makers. And the element of experience that voice experience phonetically you know what what the characteristic of the car uh is going to really fundamentally uh change that's interesting the idea yeah about whether the the personality of the of the interface the conversational interface is is your assistant that transcends the vehicle to your kitchen or does the car have its own voice and are you talking to the car or is it both? You know, is it the car has a personality and a voice and, and now, now there's always three people in the car at any given time, your personal assistant, the car and you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's a really fascinating, you know, kind of, if, if you frame it, you know, that's a super fascinating uh instance you know it's like okay now it's the three of us i have siri here or you know in many cases alexa then i have my personal you know car personality yeah and then that's me um and i think we may end up giving the driver the ability to switch those personality because in the end of it i think the notion of having different modes uh the driving modes really will probably end up to say well okay if those are specific to that experience and you are more likely to drive in eco mode then it will have a type of personality if you like to push the accelerator and drive fast you have a different personality so yeah. the adaptation of how those conversations are you know to be made it's really it could be really interesting um but I also think that in something that's very particular to EV vehicles is the notion is the fact that you using energy, not fuel. Really? And the way you're using the energy, the way you're recuperating the energy, where you're getting the new energy, um, you know, how much of the energy relate to your driving style. I think that's also something that's going to, you know, change quite a bit in the experience because 
in the end of it, you used to drive, just put fuel in it and, and, and go. go. Yeah. And with EV, yeah, with EV, there's a little more intimate, you know, relationship with how you drive and the reaction that the car gives you in general. So that's really, that's quite interesting there too. Yeah. Yeah. Car <clears throat> personalities are interesting. My vote is for the feature where the, the car's voice starts singing along with the radio along with you. It's like a three way. <laughs> that's the key. It's gotta be that's slightly the, out of key. That's, that's, that's pretty, I, I think of uh, an MMM car that does sing with you and rock with yeah. you and you just like, yeah. and actually can make, they can make your own words on the, on the rap song. There that you go. Be really interesting. Yeah. yeah that, that's pretty funny. That is funny, but the, ca the car know, sings the harmony yeah. parts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the car sings the harmony, and you just make you the star with 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 the, the carpet <laughs> sound. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but the 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 reason I was thinking about driverless car is that you know there are, uh, of course, AI and cars um, is taking you know is going uh, much much deeper, um, and I think the. The interesting about driverless car is the fact that when you know driving, you m most likely don't own the car. Wow. And so the notion of mixing the opportunity that AI created in the experience and the fact that you're going from a model of ownership of the car to a model of you know mobility as a service, it's also really fascinating. I mean, there is some, you know, the talk about Mobi AI or uh, Mobileye, um, you know, all those companies that are trying to create a specific, um, you know, market segment where from the ownership, you know, you, you shift the ownership into a completely different model and you actually leaving the car and without necessarily driving it. Um, I think I, I look at some of the recent data and it's quite amazing how much of the driverless car, uh, you know, will have uh, in, let's say in 2030 um, and even sooner. I think the biggest difference is that U.S. have larger roads. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of safety, um, it's, it's more prone uh, to that um, versus Europe have much smaller road, many obstacles and, you know, much more complex, you know, kind of uh, uh, viability and feasibility of the, the systems. But one of the things I realized is that, so we have the car makers, we have the technology in terms of behavioral and sensorial technology, the role that AI will play in how the sensorial behavior and the experience inside those driverless car will be really amazing. Because in the end of it, without AI, nothing of that will be absolutely possible. There's no way you could create the best sensorial technology, but without the AI interpretation, you will not be able to control the car as much as you wanted to. From a safety perspective, right. neither you will able to give the driver the right experience because everything will be customized in the fact that instead of purely driving and go from point A to point B, I'm actually in this cocoon, either by myself or with somebody else, while AI is helping me to drive in, you know, helping the vehicle get it to the destination, and at the same time, most likely give me 
generative content that keep keep coming as I really you know go to 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 inside this journey. So the two components are really fascinating because in the end of it, it's not just about speed and obstacle control and safety, but it's also about like okay, what I'm gonna do when I am in the car, you know, who I interact to. Uh, what I wanted to learn, what I wanted to discover. I think that's also really interesting. Um, we have two clients, which we are beginning to have that conversation from an experience point of view. Um, but it's very, very, oh. um, I would say it's a very early stage. Yeah, I used to yeah. put up this photo. This was like seven years ago, but um, it's a, a guy in a car making sushi. And I was like, the future of Uber drivers, you know, do you want the sushi car or do you want the Italian food car? Because <laughs> you just got off an airplane and you're probably hungry. <laughs> and he's just sitting there chopping up sushi. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. He's like the bandana, you know, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That image is pretty cool too. Yeah, so... That's pretty funny. Yeah, cars are, are definitely going, you know, we b before you joined, Rob, we were talking about the fact that at the end of it, the day, uh, you know, when we start seeing LCD, um, you know, screen inside the car instead of the usual cluster, we all thought like, oh my God, this is so cool. Now, if you look at a variant of those cars and the, even the modes, the driving modes, the different experience and so on, they're very similar. Yeah. So at this point, the again, it's it's kind of similar to the features thing where you're saying, yeah, okay, this is great, but so what, you know? And and even the exterior and the interior car is becoming so similar one or the other that at the end of it, the difference will only be in the experience in right. the ecosystem that the car could create around you. Yeah. Which it always does, you know, it's not a difference of technology and features, it's experience now. And it's how well you put those yeah. features together and how well you expose them and how elegantly the whole thing works as an ecosystem, like you said. So it seems like that that is the next step is to think holistically and and yeah. not just have all these vendors pitching features, but having, you know, some... 360 view of the whole experience and how these features sequence together and work together and and what's the interface yeah. for all those features so I'm not pogo sticking between I mean we're still doing that like how do I open the glove box now is it under this menu or that menu or <laughs> yeah and why they call it glove yeah, box definitely. I don't even know well, you mentioned yeah yeah we aren't wearing a yeah. lot of gloves <laughs> we driving gloves aren't, aren't really a huge thing um Guido, you you mentioned too, like uh, you know, Apple pushing to be maybe like a dominant auto iOS system or OS system. Uh, but, but if you had a brand like BMW, does that represent kind of a conflict for them? Because even though Apple is kind of a high end experience, like part of BMW is an experience too. They're selling a car; they're also selling experience. Like, how yeah. do they like do they see that as a threat because they want whatever that onboard experience is on the touchscreen or conversationally to be somehow stamped BMW. Actually, it's kind of spooky that we talk BMW because we're one of the few uh, OEMs that initially refuse uh, to to even, you know, put the Apple CarPlay 
uh, in the car. Uh, they uh, they change their mind because, of course, from a user perspective, it would be you know silly to don't have anything like that. But it is probably the biggest conflict uh, among the experience maker and the car maker, because in the end of it, um, many saw the excuse of Apple trying to design their own car yeah. to actually wanted to design an ecosystem for the car. Um, so they can actually, you know, um, uh, basically uh, change the way the car experience is being made by the car maker versus made by Apple. This, of course, is related to the fact that if I'm if I'm an iPhone or a MacBook user, if I go into a car and I use in the same environment with the same behavioral um, and the same instances and uses cases, of course, is a, a super great advantage. What it does to the experience, though, is that it, it has this extreme simplification, especially in the case of Apple. So it's very minimal. Um, you know, there was a they presented it recently on how this will look, um, you know, in, in tomorrow uh, generation. Um, it's actually quite beautiful, um, but it's extremely minimal. It does have any connection or any characteristic that the car brand will have. So the, um, the, the biggest dangers for OEMs today is how we balancing our own brand and our own look and feel with something like that. Uh, because in the, in the entirety of the Apple experience, you actually see, you know, the circular cluster, the telltales, it, everything is, is there. So in the end of it, it's like, if I end up using that, then the notion of driving BMW or drive an AMG or any of those car brand, uh, that would not make any difference to me. Because in the end of it, I'm experienced, you know, sensorially and, and visually, yeah, of course. But from an experiential perspective, I, I could drive any car with the same look and feel. Right. Um, Android is is somewhat doing the same, of course, uh, with with you know Google and Android Auto. Um, they probably are a bit more um, advanced in terms of technology. Uh, so much, in fact, that. There are collaboration uh, by two different, very different car makers, which in this case are Ford and BMW, uh, sorry, uh, Volkswagen, and in which they actually are um, making vehicle together. They're developing vehicle together using Android Auto uh, to be the engine that propelled the experience. Um, but they're doing this at their own risk because they know that to some extent um, they're trying to mix um, the experience that come from the brand with the experience of uh, Apple. And actually Ford recently hired uh, one Apple uh, one, one Apple leadership person and one Google leadership person uh, in, the, in the recent year. Um, and it's really trying to um, add them in a mix platform where it will depend on the technology, the, 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 the software you end up using to create that car experience. But the looking, this is the first time I think both car makers are looking for 
design leaders outside of the automotive industry and they're picking leaders that come from the experience side of things because they believe that in it's in their cards, it's in their future to enable those experiences to be much more um, the choosing point, uh, you know, the consumer will, will use to decide which car uh, will, they will drive, you know, tomorrow. Um, this will, of course, will reduce customization, will align the look and feel of different cars and different type of cars all together. Uh, we've seen that already with the mix between, let's say, uh, things like the Fiesta and the Broncos and the F-150 uh, electric, you know, they're already trying to create a system that's much more comparable, uh, has a much more similarity. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a, that I would say both companies are the biggest threat to the car maker that are trying to create their own experience. So the bigger question is, are we spending, are we going to spend all this money to create this experience or we should just give up and, you know, follow, follow those, uh, external organization to bring their experience inside the car. It's a big question for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I I also imagine it's got to be on the table, the idea of the car experience transcending being in the car. You know, uh, I yeah. you know having an app and your car being external and and so now now we we communicate with our car even when we're not in our car, and that I, that may seem subtle to people, but I think it's a big deal you know to, to have your car present when it's not present and maybe it's just climate maybe it's just checking the surroundings of your car maybe it's alarms i mean but we're our car is coming with us in a sense it's in our pocket as well as in its parking space yeah. and that and, and that seems like it over offers up other opportunities as well in that you're not eating what your mouth's not full right so there's there's other things you can do when you're not in your car with your car, but yeah, it does. It does beg the question: When does the car maker experience end? And you know, and and when when you know, wh what are the boundaries of that? Given that you know, my car is such a as American, it's such a big part of our lives, and it and now it follows yeah. us around and talks to us when we're not near it. It's kind of a interesting where those boundaries begin and end it's funny to think that a car could kind of become one of the first digital twins that people interact with in a way right um and guido you were you were talking about uh the planning like needing more planning when you're driving an electric vehicle i mean if your car could tell you right before you're getting ready to go to bed that you forgot to plug it in it could it could save your morning yeah, and actually, there there are some cases in which uh, the the EV uh, change, the change into electric propulsion, have brought a lot of those different instances to to the to the place. Um, there are cases in which uh, in in if I live in a let's say in a family of five, and I drive by BMW and I have a key, but I have an app. I could ask my dad to transfer the car to me and the car will actually switch the entire experience to my profile, mm -hmm. which means it will switch. And instead of saying, 
hello John it will say hello Guido um, and then we'll we'll uh, you know um, visualize the experience as I left it the last time I drove the car and we'll have a set of features and customization that relate only and only to me um, but there is also cases in which I could leave the car in a specific place lock it with the app um, leave the car and then I could go and get the car and you know get it go and drive it in as long as I am uh, added to the app uh, you know to the car ecosystem um, but this is where it gets interesting where the car could actually speak to you in terms of like um, I'm uh, I know I'm still have a lot of charge but based on the destination you wanted to reach, I will not be able to get there. And here are the three uh, charging stations that I think um, you will probably find on your way. And by the way, two, two of them are very busy. So yes, you can go to the third one. It has less car attached to uh, the charging station now. And your timing there will be 32 minutes and 15 seconds um, so this will give you a delay on your final destination of you know one hour um, do you want me to call those people and tell them that you will be late so that's so you see the 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 experiential um, you know kind of platform started to expand from a pure sense of like okay I need to be charged to like okay what will what will that be the consequence into your life you know how that life of your day will change based on those consequences those consequences of it and in the end of it what's interesting is that if you think of the car as that cocoon as rob was explaining before you know and the car can start be almost the center of all your activity then in the end of it there is this it's almost this bond where you're saying, well, okay, I don't need to worry about all those things because the car will take care of it. And even if I'm late, the car itself will send an email to so-and-so or make a call and she, not even me, she will say, hey, I'm so-and-so car, he's driving a bit late, would you mind, you know, moving the meeting for 20 minutes? Or, um, doctor, I'm really sorry, I'm so-and-so BMW and I'm driving your patient there he will be 20 minutes late and it, as we say before instead of thinking of doing those things i can focus on the drive the traffic what's going on in front of me so it relieved me of all the other um you know preoccupation that i have um yeah that's that's really where i think <clears throat> ai will come to place because how we interpreted those demand and how we measure the extent of the action we want to to activate based on on the 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 user uh desire the driver desire that's only ai could solve this yeah transformation yeah the transformation from like the, the car to the chauffeur like your car is becoming your chauffeur you know and Mm -hmm. And now you're just saying to the chauffeur, take me here, take me there. Oh, can you run in and grab my dry cleaning? Oh, can you drop off my dry Like, it's the car is no longer the car, and it's the chauffeur. And we're all, you know, 
sort of rising to the level of having personal chauffeurs and and now wow what what can your chauffeur do it can call ahead and say you're going to be late to a meeting it can it it can do oh my chauffeur will be picking up the kids today (laughs) so it really is kind of a a movement to yeah to, to this this chauffeur kind of idea yeah and i mean it could also be uh maybe it's one more of you maybe that's your digital twins more than the chauffeur so he end up you know the the more he knows about the destination you you take in the 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 road you take the the way you warm up the car in the morning or you know not or cool it down if it's too hot outside or you know so on the more that digital twins will be able to interpret it you in in and and um, create proposition you know say hey usually stop here for coffee uh, do you want to stop today i will make sure i uh, spend less energy and save batteries uh, it's like okay that's great you know so that's that's really interesting how um those those um you know those will change the 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 way we look at cars and how we you know we we choose them to many extent yeah so exciting super exciting yeah it's interesting thinking of that idea too like having sort of a, a personalized I guess it is a digital twin that moves from your house to your car and things but I wonder if we're, we were talking about luxury like maybe there's you know, the premium model of that digital twin might suggest that you go to the nice coffee shop you go to, but the, you know, the more budget model might have ads from Starbucks trying to, <laughs> trying to guide you different ways. Like kind of, kind of how Netflix now has a, yeah. a plan with ads. I mean, yeah. it, it could also be, you know, directly connected to the bank account and basically saying, ah, I think today we're going to Starbucks instead of going there. Yeah. The the luxury shop you use in use, you know, it could be it could be that. So, or your doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like uh, you, you probably should should just skip that bottle of wine you just buy into yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. that sort. Yeah. My the weight sensors, the weight sensors in your seat are yeah. detecting that you put on some weight. Maybe you should make a doctor's appointment. Well, actually. Talking about seats, so we are um, working with two automakers because we develop what we call a Devucher seat. So the Devucher seat is basically a seat that has all kinds of different sensors uh, around the construction of the seats, and they work both ways. They uh, sense your movement, your comfort or discomfort, and they can you know, again, propose to an iron engine how you, you know, do you want me to move the seat back or down or, mm-hmm. you know, make you more comfortable. Um, but they also could uh, create uh, different sounds of vibration that are related to dangers, you know, change of direction, obstacle. So let's say when you need to turn left and you are distracted, the the seat vibrate and say, hey, watch out, you have to turn left here. So um, we developed that butcher seat actually in-house. Uh, the first prototype was built in the office in Berlin. And now we are going uh, to export uh, to a center in Chennai because while we're working on the experience, 
uh, for Mahindra and they all of a sudden visit the office and say, what is this? And we'll say, oh, that's kind of a crazy idea. And they say, oh, we, we want it, we need it. <laughs> so now we have to reconstruct it. And it feels simple, but, you know, it's like, it's basically this seat with all those cables and all those, right. you know, computers uh, out. I think the the issue at the moment for car makers is that, um, you know, semiconductors are scarce. Um, the computing capacity of cars still not as much as we actually wanted to. But yeah, we're going definitely like the car interior will become much more sensorial uh, mm -hmm. from an experience perspective in the future. So, yeah. So it's cool. Yeah, it's it. So it was a crazy idea made by a couple of guys. And now it's it's just turning to some pretty amazing um, stuff that we we're trying to do. So it's fun. Yeah, that I love that you mentioned those ha those haptic cues too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 that that's something that we talk about in the book. That conversational yeah. AI is it, go, it Word, goes beyond yeah. speech and text, and it can yeah. have pictures, haptic cues, all sorts yeah. of stuff. Sound effects. Yeah, I love cues. that. I love that aspect of it. Yeah. yeah. Sound effects. Sorry, Rob. Yeah. Oh, that was all just sound yeah. effects and yeah, it did. Yeah, a horse's whinny. Yeah, make that horse whinny exactly. louder, please. A horse's whinny. That's... <laughs> you have no no idea how many times we recorded that. We yes, really like need to showcase that. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's like plane of Bob that's going around with the with the horse whinny. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's cameras this, in the cars uh, that can recognize horses, so we could just yeah, we could just reproduce <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, talking about sound, there is this uh, gorgeous movie uh, that Wim Wenders made. It's called Lisbon Story. Uh, it's a movie I think he won at Cannes in the 90s, so it's not a movie at this point. But the story, it's uh, related to this guy that come back to, uh, to come back home from a, a working trip. He makes sounds for movies, and all of a sudden he found the postcard of, of director that basically saying, hey, pick up your stuff and come to Lisbon because I'm making a movie. I need your sound. And he packed the car with some of the most incredible stuff to make sounds like buckets and stones ah. and water and all kinds of crap. <laughs> and it's funny how in the end of it, he get to Lisbon and he doesn't find the director. Uh, the director all of a sudden is missing. But he find the film on a on a you know a mon montage table on a on a clipping table. He watch it, and he goes out and make the sounds. <laughs> and it's really amazing the the stuff that he used to make sound. I was thinking about the horse winning, and it's like the stuff that he makes is oh, pretty yeah. pretty outrageous. So yeah, the so uh, cool. the plunger for your toilet, and you just wrap it with. <laughs> leather and you cloppity clop cloppity clop yeah all that foley stuff is hilarious that's pretty funny yeah yep. that's exactly what it does pretty much <laughs> yeah yeah so <laughs> well guido we talked briefly earlier too about self-driving cars which uh, rob maybe you you want to speak to this but that that's been one of our favorite analogies for kind of describing what a ecosystem for hyper automation really is like the self-driving car yeah. analogy Mm -hmm. um that uh that it's that if you can have this ecosystem of all these different technologies being sequenced together to to drive a car which is 
insanely complicated. And then that that system can also get better over time, can learn, can react to things differently. That that is, in a nutshell, what we talk about when we're talking about hyper-automation as well. Yeah. Yeah, cars are complex. I just wanted to say yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it, it's, it's a very complex but very, very fascinating. Because, again, I think that we are... Uh, you know, if you think of, okay, the, the, the level of automation in a self-driving car is different level. Level five is like, okay, the car pretty much yeah. at all. Um, I think the percentage on the car that currently could achieve level five, it's, you know, fairly minor. But when you look at statistic data, um, it's, it's, it's mind boggling. Yeah. And the, the fact that you could go to work and do all kinds of things without even touching the wheel of the car yeah. and doing other things while you while the car is driving for you. Yeah, that's yeah. an amazing proposition. Uh, I think what, so. what surprises me is most people miss that I think they compartmentalize this. They think, oh, great, a self-driving car means I don't, you know, I don't need to pay attention to where I'm going, but they don't understand that that achievement unlocks yeah. so many other things way outside the car from vision to you know decision making and you know when a machine can drive it can do so many other things less sophisticated as well and the implications of all of those other things um it's yeah. to me far more exciting than just just the car driving itself you know it's like you said, car ownership is in question. Um, you know, what what kind of car I'm going to drive to work could be like, what kind of shoes am I going to wear? Um, oh, I feel like, you know, driving the Skoda today. And then you just, <laughs> that's what picks you up. And, and, and is it the color I want? No, I changed my mind. <laughs> I want another color. But then now that, that, now that something can see, it can, you know, it, it, it can do all kinds of other things. It can it can alert to a crime going on on the way to work, and that changes the criminal system because cars recognize ongoing crimes, and it, the list just goes on and on and on. Once you see that, um, it's going to transcend cars very very quickly. I think this is why Tesla is such a interesting company in terms of you know being going from cars to, to robots and, and we start to see like yes if you can drive a car a robot can see and if a robot can see it can do many other things and now a car is just another robot it's not a car anymore um and car culture you know obviously is in you know it's got to reinvent itself but but if 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 a car is just a robot with wheels and we live in a world of robots then it's just one of our robots uh, and it's very interesting. Yeah, there's the, the, what's fascinating to me is that there is a real sense of democratization of mobility, right? Because in the end of it, um, we most likely to use very similar robots, and the robots are most likely to have very similar functions. And so the notion of it's a fancy or not fancy, we'll have this feature, not the other feature, we'll could could the robo hire my pants while I'm going right. away? Possibly. But but 
but those differences will get smaller and smaller, like thinner and thinner and thinner. And the essence is to control where I'm going, uh, make sure that that journey is actually uh, safer, shorter, uh, more effective from a consumption perspective, comfortable. But you're right. You 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 basically don't think about those vehicle as cars anymore and you're really transcending the the figure of the car into uh, a much broader and probably much more efficient um you know uh, mobility system because mm-hmm. in the end of it we always forgot that humans are not uh, not very the best you know <laughs> there are few that drive very well yeah. But in the end of it, we're not that great of drivers. In spite and of what so we think, 85% in, of drivers think they're above average. <laughs> exactly. As a yeah, math yeah, person, yeah. Most, it most, always I, makes me scratch my head. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, including those myself as well. But if you're thinking that all of a sudden all this vehicle system is optimized and they can optimize themselves, so they know when another vehicle is in their proximity, they decide... Um, you know, which one has the way and and take one direction or the other. Um, They probably, in many cases, safer than what human ability, um, you know, from from a sensorial perspective is. And they also uh, has the ability to create a series of proposition that are my own proposition that could be, you know, custom made to to my needs uh, while I'm going on the way. And the more the system grow and adapt to itself, the more information and data is being generated and the more intelligent the system will actually become. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's amazing. That is just, uh, they're just mind boggling. And yeah, I, you know, I mean, we, we, we talk a language, Josh, I'm a petrol head, I'm Italian. I mean, <laughs> you know, for me, for me that, uh, the uh, the smell of oil and and gasoline it's like something that remind me you know my childhood but if you think about a system that could um uh within itself really reorganize all that yeah. grid reorganize all that the um you know uh, ecosystem as a whole that's really that is what fascinated me the most yeah uh, in the end of it um, and 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 then, Rob, you said something that's really interesting, like lessen the factor of ownership. But the fact that I don't need to own the car will also democratize right. how we move and democratize like, okay, there's really no difference between you and me. We both get into more or less the same robot, yeah. which we don't own. We uh, either our company or ourselves we pay for it. And then we go and, you know, we go on with our life. That's really that's quite yeah. amazing. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this. Effect. I was thinking about this the other day. The the these attachments we have and 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 how it gets in the way of adoption of new technology like self driving. You know, a lot of people just very much so against it, and um, almost just emotionally against it. And I uh, I noticed with Tesla they have this. You know, in order to get in the beta program, you had to. Uh, have your driving skills evaluated by the car and and it gave you a score and i remember you know thinking how uncomfortable that made me you know i was like um on one hand you know i you know i think i'm a great driver on the other hand i don't want to be measured 
right? And so I was like, <laughs> maybe that's what it's going to take here is that if we can show people that they're very optimistic about how good they are as drivers um, and reflect and point out that they're not as good as they think they are, um, perhaps that that might usher us a little bit closer to embracing the idea of a car being better at driving than we are. You know, that that overestimation of ourselves seems, seems to be a problem because it's an illusion that we're a lot better at this than we than we actually are. We think we are anyway. Yeah. Yeah. There's also, there's also, it could be really interesting to actually see the car, you know, uh, telling us, look, look, you see, I took that curve really well. Yeah. Would you do the same? Probably. Yeah. And, and kind of, <laughs> you know, kind of have a little, a little wink, right? It's like, yeah. hey, I'll take it to work. And, yeah. Sorry, but in this the is rain, how you make a left turn, right? buddy. Yeah, it's like there's no way you're gonna beat this, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I love that kind of like okay, now the car, the, the vehicle has an attitude yeah. while it's still driving and it's providing me with everything I need. Yeah, I become much more fun. It it become part of my, you know, uh, giggle in, in life. You know, talk about the music for for be happy. You know, yeah. and. When I get those small distractions out of my life, and and those are distractions in which I engage, that's also really beneficial for, yeah. for me to feel you know better and go on on my business. So yeah, yeah, it's a funny thing to think yeah. like uh, yeah. you know that, the that... cars. Whenever you put it in self driving mode, everybody immediately goes into oh it did that wrong or it's doing that wrong or it's too close to that. It just seemed like revenge for the car. Okay, she can play at that game. Now I'll evaluate your driving. We'll see how well you do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's do how you do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, or even get, or even get so intimate that you know you get into the car and you have a certain face, and the car immediately said, "Oh, you had another fight." Oh, come on. You know, it's like, let's go. don't worry about it. I take you to work, and you're like, "Damn, the car." <laughs> so it's like, yeah, running late again. <laughs> Right again, right again. You know me. Yeah, let's get let's get that that Negroni at that bar. You know, don't worry, everything's gonna be. Fine. Like, all right, let's for it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, the the idea of like ownership has come up a couple of times. Do do you see car companies? Are they are they thinking in terms of a future where owning a car isn't as much of like an individual? Uh, there's not as much of a burning desire. Like my my teenage sons seem fairly disinterested in getting their driver's licenses. They're not really racing yeah. towards it. Whereas, you know, when I was younger, that was a really important thing to have. Um, but in a, in a scenario where you you can just call any car to come get you, um, yeah. but maybe you pick the brand of car based on what that experience is going to be like. Is that is that something? Do you think that that they're thinking about? Yeah, like marketing. Yeah, they're thinking about, um, and they're thinking about from mostly a financial model perspective. Because in the end of it, um, if you look at, let's say, let's take for instance two countries like Germany and the Netherlands, ownership of cars um, it's at, at one of the lowest uh, percentage. Most of the car in both Germany and Netherlands, um, and France also, um, you know, they become lease car. 
So you don't own them, you lease them. At the end of the lease, you give them back. They give you a new model. Uh, you get the chance to drive another spanky car. Um, the lease payment are becoming almost half of the payment of a financial loan. Yeah. But of course, you don't own the car. So uh, you optimize a payment, but in the end of it, you don't build any equity. Okay. But the sense of equity on the car is also changing because um, in those in those days, uh, as soon as you move the car away from the car lot, from a new car perspective, the depreciation percentage is just unbelievable. And so in the end of it, um, it's not like a house that you could say, well, okay, by building equity and the equity will increase, there's no chance. It's a decreasing factor by many, many fold. So that sense of not the other, the ability of having the immediate ownership, it's really, you know, it's effective how people choose the cars. Um, I think a lot of car makers are trying to figure out what they could do and how they could face, um, you know, kind of this new era of, um, you know, known ownership of cars. Um, and the number of brands that are creating specific programs uh, designed not for ownership, but for driving and, and really using the brand as a mobility service are increased. Two examples um, that come in mind is one that comes from Gili, which is a Chinese company that is basically uh, building a very large series of cars include a Volvo, um, uh, they, uh, they initially tested uh, the non-ownership model with a car with brand called Lincoln Co. It's basically Volvo X40 hybrid, so it's, it has combustion engine, but can also go electric for quite a while. Um, and they tested both in the Netherlands and in Germany. Uh, you pay a monthly fee, you have no do no maintenance nothing you could uh, leave the car uh, you know anytime and give it back anytime not only that but you could actually use the car to rent it to somebody else which means that if i am at home and i'm not using the car and somebody else has my the same app i could say hey can i rent your car and you you take in that um you know uh intro it and you just you know, you put it towards the monthly payment that you have for the car. Um, in Amsterdam, the program became very popular for two reasons. One is there are very limited parking space for combustion engine. Wow. And the only way you park in the center is if you have a car that has a plug. So now you don't own a car, but the car has a plug. You could go and park it in an electric spot, which most likely will be, you know, available for you. And in the end of it, while I'm at the office, there's one more guy walking in the street. He needs a car to move uh, a dishwasher or any. He rents a car from you. He brings it back in the same spot and he pays you. And so, again, um, they, uh, they took some data and they decided to actually expand the program to a Volvo brand, um, which is doing pretty much the same. And they call it the subscription yeah uh, they basically saying you don't own the car but the car will never break down because we're going to bring you a new one uh and we'll fix anything that goes wrong and you could easily rent it 
to anybody yeah. else you want. Um, yeah, it's it's quite successful. Um, other brands are thinking about it. Um, one thing that I wanted to mention is that usually we think of car makers as the the most you know uh, prone to new technology, new models. Most of the time, they they are quite conservative. They have a lot of uh, chassis and engine in their warehouse, right. and they needed to try and you know, to get rid of it. But there's definitely uh, <clears throat> they all have the expectation that this will happen sooner or later. So they all investigate a similar model uh, too, because um, again, you know, I pay one fee, um, and you know, those are. FD payment, but again, if I let somebody else use the car and charge, that payment will get reduced. Right. And so the 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 car, even if the guy break the car, they bring another yeah. car. So it's it's not viewed as uh, I'm driving a beautiful car and it's mine. It's more about you know I drive anywhere, I can services anytime, yep. and so on. This um, as a dependency. Um, that is coming also from what uh, government and city are planning to do. Uh, the three countries that have the most advanced program uh, towards reducing combustion engine utilization are probably the Netherlands, Norway, Finland, and Germany. Um, I think Norway is probably the, the, the top player where they're basically saying, no combustion engine after 2025 in the whole country. Uh, the Netherlands is doing quite the same. Amsterdam will be should be combustion free uh, on uh, 2025. Uh, and there is already what they call it the limiting zone, where some combustion engines are um, older than a certain age are not permitted in any cases to come to the center of right. the town. Um, so this is provoking the, the car maker to say, okay, we need an answer to this because in the end of it, if we're not going to be able to produce a new model, uh, people will not need a car. Right. Many, many of the people that I, that I know here in Berlin and in Munich, they don't own a car. They call it Uber. They could go anywhere. Yeah. They get onto a bike. They get into a train station. Yeah, that's... that's yeah. Uh, this is... Uh, it's not alarming to them, but it's definitely something that they 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 wanted to get a grip of. Yeah, definitely. It, so yeah, something like I it's, I look at the like uh, you start to call it the Uber Black effect, which is when Uber first came out, it was mainly black cars, and people could just book a black car and be dropped off at a restaurant in a black car, and they could look successful. Um, and and so that was kind of like the kickoff is, you know, look at me in my black car with my chauffeur. And and then over time now, if you get dropped off in a black car, people almost frown on you, almost embarrassing. Like, why did you pay three times as much for a ride? That makes no sense. And I think it's the same idea. Like luxury just starts to become embarrassing, you know? And you're like, well, why would you do yeah. If all cars are the same and there isn't much difference, why would you pay three times as much for the same ride? And it starts to become more embarrassing. And I can see how that's a challenge um, as car makers are so much on the luxury, you know, train. So makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, in, in my case, I drove to the office a couple of times from Amsterdam to Berlin. It's not that big of a drive. I mean, Americans, you know, li- living in the U.S. for 20 plus years gave me the the, the long drive kind of experience. <laughs> and people were like, like you came with your car? Do you own a car? And they looked at me like kind of down on me. I'm like, shit, yeah. maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> well, that's, that's the kind of feeling. No, I agree. I agree with Rob. There is there is this feeling of like, oh, I I shouldn't do this. You know, uh-huh. people don't need it. And, they judge me. And yeah. I think, yeah, yeah. It's like and and um, I think what's interesting, and this is something that we discuss internally quite a lot. So I mean, the experience of Mobile is going a, a long way away from from the four wheels, right? Now there is the explosion of electric bikes, electric vehicle. Right. They all have different proposition, right. different flying cars. Yeah. The way you, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. So the way you experience those new mobility, you know, system, it's really interesting because in the end of it, it's like they don't take the same space. They don't have right. you know combustion. They don't use combustion engine. So how you um, you know, put them together as well into those, um, you know, kind of mobility and city system. That's really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Um, just just uh, one case in particular, I think one of the cities in Europe that is doing really amazing um, uh, is Utrecht. Uh, Utrecht um, has the largest bike uh, port. It's not a garage. It's basically a port in the world. Wow. Um, and... They basically, they are um, out on really against the, the, the car maker. And they are going to the extent where they say, we don't care if you EV or not UEV, you take too much space. Uh, there is a work that we needed to do to create the EV infrastructure for you. No, just use bike. Uh-huh. Um, and they actually are paying people to not buy a car. Uh, and to buy either a bike or an electric bike. So they subsidizing electric bikes. So, I mean, that's a, you know, that tell you what the future most likely yep. look like. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really fascinating. Yeah. A lot of times yeah. they say the future is here. You just got to look where to find it. You know, companies like us, yeah. you know, we're run by bots, you know, bots everywhere. We have bots for everything. And, and then you have other companies that, you know, still using old telephones with push buttons and yes you know if you want to look at the future it sometimes it's here you just got to know where to find it go to those cities that are and you can see the future for yourself uh, and i I, yeah. I agree we, we think of time as static and that everybody's living in the same time but a lot of us are in different bubbles living uh, at different times and it's kind of cool to think you can go forwards and backwards in time just just by knowing where to go what country, what city, what company? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I actually love that concept. So it's like it, it it's like living different time and different ecosystem wherever you go. Yeah. That's really incredible because in the end of it, the, you know, by comparison, if you think of, uh, you know, everybody in the financial market is basically saying India is the new China, right. which is most likely true. Yeah. Uh, but everybody in India is getting wealthier, and the first thing that they do is buy a car. Oh, yeah. And 
that car most likely will still have a combustion engine. Yeah. Um, but even in India, they were saying, well, hold on a minute. Yeah. We don't want to end up like China. So why, why could we create more EV vehicles and all that? And, and that's, you know, that's the role of, you know, the, the, the car maker, you know, if you see, if you think of Mahindra, Mahindra was effectively one of the first sponsor of the formula E that will eventually will substitute the formula one series right. um and having that kind of you know kind of saying sure you know everybody will buy a car but could we make them electric you know it's kind of like oh that's a different choice than many other country in the past made and there will be a lot less pollution a lot less yeah. you know um you know kind of uh, a mobility, you know, craziness. If some of those decisions were taken sooner, so it, it it's definitely a different time in technology in in different country, in yeah. different geolocation, which is really fascinating. So, yeah, you look at companies, yeah. the new car maker, you know, of tomorrow, the Tesla's. It's really like this R and D engine and this capital, you know, uh, concentration. And why did it have to be just? just for cars, you know, um, and it's a, yeah. just looking at it as a, as a, you know, an R and D, um, hub and for, you know, for applying technology to making life easier, um, versus just narrowing it to, well, it has to relate to, you know, a car. It can't be a bicycle. It can't be, it's gotta be a car. That doesn't really make sense. It makes sense to kind of, broaden the scope of the problem yeah. you're trying to solve, which is to transport people from point A to point B, however it makes sense. Um, and then, you know, R&D efforts around that line. So, yeah. Cool how life is changing. Well, it's interesting to think of, uh, oh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting to think of cars as maybe like just another robot that exactly. becomes part of a pastiche of robots yeah. and that they're all drawing on the same yeah. ecosystem yeah. that, uh, or that governments and individuals are using right. separately. And that's really interesting too, that I hadn't thought about that as a way to kind of phase out combustion engines that by changing the idea of what it means to own a car or, or the relevance of owning a car, that, that that can really have a huge impact because I think people in America at least seem to think of like upgrading to a electric vehicle. Like I have to buy this new yeah. vehicle and I'm going to put it off. But if, if that's not the end goal, it's just like, well, I can, I can instead take part of it in a subscription service right. that lets me use this electric vehicle all the time. And if I really like it, yeah, I yeah, can or, upgrade my service. Or who knows? I mean, a better maybe electric vehicle. Just cars in the future are just fancy escalators, right? We all use them. We all use an escalator. We don't own the escalators. <laughs> we just put on them and they jump yeah. after one. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> do you see my escalator it's better than yours yeah <laughs> but I, I i actually love the idea um you know when i think of the wealthy uh uh the wealthy of munich or maybe the wealthy of amsterdam i guarantee you that a large percentage of those people they have their toy in their garage of course i mean you know for for the Sunday ride or for, yeah. you know, the car show, but they don't drive. They, yeah. they, you know, they call it Uber, they go anywhere, they take a train, they, they bike. I mean, I have, um, 
I know personally the the one of the the guy in Amsterdam recently discovered uh, a famous painting uh, uh, somewhere, and he became extremely wealthy. He's from a wealthy family uh, to begin with, it, but he became extremely wealthy. He never owned a car in his entire life. Neither is interesting in anyone. No. And um, he mentioned that one time he needed to go to a dinner and he wanted to, you know, shop. He rent a Lambo and he show up at the dinner with the Lambo. And when they ask, is that yours? They say, no, absolutely no. I rented it because <laughs> it will be a shame to say, yeah, that's my Lambo. Yeah. It, that, that's unbelievable. So that changed completely the role. And, you know, 10 years ago, like, oh, yeah, that's that's my car. Yeah, of course. And now it's like, absolutely no. I would no. be ashamed to yeah. even do something. Yeah. I did it for fun just to come here and have fun with you guys. It's like, okay, that's a different story. Yeah. So it's really, really, yeah, really interesting. Shifting value. From, uh, from a shame. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I, I feel good about this conversation yeah, we've had. Right. I hope you guys had fun. Very <laughs> much. Some work uh, done. Our, our time has come to oh, an end. But, uh, I don't have to get any work yeah. done. I can just reflect. Like, I yeah. reflect I'm going to go self-analyze. No, but I mean, we should do this more often. I mean, I, I love love to chat about any, any kind of things. I think, um, you know, for us in the future of myself and specifically Icon in Car, I think there's a lot more behind that goes beyond the car, um, talk about bicycle and other things. So, you know, it's really interesting. I think the, the transformation we discuss, it really is telling us, okay, what are you going to be yeah. tomorrow? Cause we work for OEMs and we work for car makers and it's an extremely fascinating discussion to have. So to be part of that discussion for me is thrilling. So, I mean, maybe next we should talk about something, something even, even different. So love to. Yeah, Sounds great. thank you yeah, so much. I had for, this whole uh, list of questions that we didn't get to. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it will be really, I mean, I, it, it's been a, a thrilling experience and love love to do more. And I'm just grateful to to have the opportunity. So, awesome. Oh, yeah, happy to have you, Guido. Great to see you again. All righty. And uh, yeah, we'll Sounds do it again great, soon. Guys. Same. Thank you so much. Bye. Right. Bye. All right. Thanks again for joining us on Invisible Machines. We're produced in partnership with UX Magazine. Be sure to follow UX Magazine wherever you listen to podcasts uh, to subscribe. We are also a video podcast. We exist on the Invisible Machines YouTube channel. Special thanks to the marketing team at OneReach.ai and the team at UX Mag for all their help. Special shout out to Michael Litvinov, our video editor. Uh, don't forget that if you would like to get a copy of Age of Invisible Machines, a book that I wrote along with Rob Wilson. You can do that just about anywhere you get a book. So find a copy. It's good stuff. It's been fun. And we will look forward to connecting again next week.